And I'm Shay. And we're the F1 Chickens. Actually, it's just me, Shay, and this is a special edition of the F1 Chickens. And it's the Shay Canes today. That's what I'm talking about. We don't need Ashley. She's over in Hawaii doing her thing. And I know last week she said that I couldn't do my own episode, but she changed her mind clearly for the better. We want to keep this momentum going because we just started this podcast. So I'm going to do a little mini episode today. I'm going to go over what they mean by hitting the apex, a little bit about Spa-Francorchamps, aka the Belgium Grand Prix. Just some highlights since Ashley isn't here. I don't want to go too in-depth. I'm sure she has a lot to say. Top 10 this week is going to be my favorite team liveries, and then I'm going to talk about what it means to start from the pit lane, and that's going to be today's episode. Before we get into that, however, I do want to make a couple corrections from last week. I'm going to blame Ashley simply because I want to, and she's not here to defend herself. But the first thing was we said, oh, rouge meant the red. It's actually red water. And I'll own up to this one. I said the first race at Spa for Formula One was in 1925. It was actually 1950. I saw somewhere it said what you need to know about the Belgium Grand Prix the day after we shot the episode and uploaded it. And it said that the first race was in 1950. So I was like, hold up. So I went back. Before it was Formula One, it was just known as Grand Prix Racing. So while F1 is rooted in Grand Prix Racing, and it was held in 1925 at Spa, the FIA, which brought on this whole new world of rules, wasn't formed until 1946. And then the World Championship of Drivers was held in 1950. And that is F1 as we know it today. So if you saw the same thing I did and you thought, oh my God, this girl's going to be faulty information. So I'm going to come on the record, correct myself. Again, it's mainly Ashley's fault, but now we can move on. Alrighty then, let's talk Apex. Before we can understand that, I got to let you know what a racing line is. A racing line is pretty simple. It's just the fastest route through the track, typically the shortest one, but this helps the driver hit their ideal apex, which is the point of the corner at which a driver is closest to the inside of the track. It's also where they go from slowing down to speeding up again. So hitting the apex ensures the driver is taking the straightest possible line at the highest speed. Obviously, this is important because they want to go real fast. And it's the easiest way of making sure of doing so. And another cool thing about the racing line and the apex is all the drivers are going this route. So there's more grip on the racing line. And whoever gets pole position starts from the racing line. So they get an even bigger advantage. I will say once you're watching the race and they mention the apex, you kind of get the gist of it without them really explaining. But I just wanted to make sure I was thinking the right thing. And I can't mess it up because Ashley's not here to correct me if I do. I haven't been able to stop saying it, you guys. It's becoming a problem. But as fun it is to say, I think it was an even more fun race. I think I love the rain, you guys. Mostly because there's a bigger chance of a crash. I have to say it. I hope it don't sound ridiculous. But I love a little spin into the gravel. A little tap on the wall. It just makes for a more exciting race. Obviously, I don't want them to get hurt or anything. Who do you think I am? But y'all know what I mean. We love a little drama, a little spice. And Spa was definitely giving on all of those fronts, especially during the practice through the sprint. 
We also got a little Verstappen drum with the gearbox. According to the rules, you're only allowed four in a season. He's on his fifth one. Apparently, he has some issues with the drive shaft failure and the gearbox synchronization, whatever that means. And even though we had to start the race from sixth place, I think we're all like, okay, that doesn't really mean much. And he even said he picked this track to do it at because this track is really good for overtaking and he knew he could do it. Last Grand Prix at Belgium, he went from 14th to first. You know, it's the thought that counts. And at least somebody else could say they got pole position other than Max Verstappen, even if they already knew it wasn't going to last long. But I'm start, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's go back to the qualifying. So qualifying, it was raining. And on top of a higher potential of spinning out, they do have a lot more to think about when it comes to tires and what tires they want to use. That was a thing throughout the entire weekend. And I thought it added like a nice layer to the race. So for Q1, there really wasn't many surprises except poor Ricardo got one of his laps deleted, which he was sixth before he went out. Poor Ricardo. Q2 wasn't too exciting except for Stappen finishing 10th and then yelling at his engineer for it. I was living for that. They also argued during the race too. And I saw somebody say online, Verstappen can argue and crack these sarcastic jokes going 180 miles per hour. And we think about it that way, that is pretty crazy. And then Horner went on to say that they argue like an old married couple, which obviously is working out for him because Verstappen is very good. Owen Ocon, after two consecutive DNFs in the past two races, he has damage once again during Q2, which leaves him in 15th place. Now I'm starting to feel a little bad for him. Not too bad, though. Hee 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 hee. And then Q3. Nothing super exciting except, you know, Verstappen did get that penalty. To, so now Leclerc got first. Whenever the announcers say Leclerc, I always want to repeat them because they say it in such a funny way. Leclerc, y'all feeling me or not? All right. So the sprint shootout, Stroll was most notable, crashed. And then we went to the sprint and Alonso crashed too. What's going on, Aston Martin? Hmm? And then, of course, Verstappen gets first once again. Piastri was only 11 thousandths of a second behind him. That's crazy when you actually take a look at what the time differences are when the, with the guys up top. It's a very small amount of time. But still, Verstappen was just that much better. Then on to the actual race, my boy, right off the bat, Science was out because he got into a little bump with Piastri. And, you know, he kept trying to truck along, but it, when the Williams, the Alfa Tari, the Alfa Romeo, they start passing you, they start zooming past you, it's time to give it up. But Carlos, this is his tweet. He said, not what we wanted today, racing instant, but Oscar was too optimistic. He was never a side-by-side, and that move has never really worked in Spa. Congratulations to the team and Charles on an encouraging result. We'll keep pushing after the break. He got a lot of flack for this in the comments. I don't think he should really be blaming Oscar, but I thought it was funny. And the announcers, they said it kind of was Piastri's fault because Carlos couldn't go anywhere since Hamilton was on his outside. But back to the comments, I was so surprised at how many people were hating on signs for saying that and just him as a driver. As I was reading it, I realized, you know, F1 fans, especially males, are not very nice. At least the ones that comment on social media. I mean, there was people in the comments saying, you're the worst driver on the grid. You need to quit. Give it up. 
you you're so whiny like so mean and then i think about all the other comments i've seen and they're pretty similar not just for carlos and then the other day i was looking at haas's instagram and it was really sad you guys i was reading the comments they were so mean i saw a couple posts where it says comments have been limited and i checked it over a couple of days and the com- the actual comments that were already there had dwindled to just nice ones and maybe one mean one to try to make it look legit but it was like they're getting so much hate they had to stop people from commenting it's like what did they do to y'all i don't understand that what do you think they're gonna do reading your comment if they even see it they're actually gonna quit like what do you accomplish that and you know that your friends because instagram twitter they highlight your comments so if they go to their page they're gonna see it and that's just kind of embarrassing like how are you not embarrassed and poor kevin magnuson is getting bullied online and on the track by charles leclerc he yelled at him during qualifying i think i wasn't directly he just said that hoth over there but i saw another little recap of it online and then it led me to this other time that charles yelled directly at kevin and just listen That's from a few years ago, but still, <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> and Leclerc's not the only one. Just look up on YouTube, and there's a bunch of guys just ripping him up to shreds. Poor guy. But that's just the name of the game. I'm sure he knows what it is. Back to the race. I mean, other than Piastri and Carlos, you know, Verstappen eventually got up to the top by lap 17. I mean, it's crazy. They don't even try to defend themselves. They just get out of the way. They're like, all right, just go by. Let me save myself the effort. Obviously, the drivers know that Max is dominating. He's unbeatable. But Mercedes, I think, has been the most outspoken. And Norris definitely makes comments, too. But recently, George Russell said that F1 would be a lot more exciting and entertaining if it weren't for Verstappen and Red Bull. And even Lewis has been making comments like, put me behind that Red Bull and see what I can, you know, I I think they're all just sick of it. Even though Lewis won for many years in a row, it's not like he has a whole lot of room to talk, but for the room that he has, he's talking. I also don't think it's fair to rain on Verstappen's parade, especially when you were just the person dominating. And even Max has acknowledged this and he's like, hey, nobody was saying this when you were winning, but you know. They just got to take the L's and do a lot better next year so they can actually be competitive against Red Bull. I think it's just for this season, it is what it is. And we're all racing for second place or a third because, you know, Perez is probably going to stay up there too. So, you know, third and then second in the constructors. It's always that word. Yeah, at least Ferrari got third. Leclerc got podium. Love that for him. And... I'll save the rest of the little deets before Ashley comes back. Woo-woo! It's time for the top 10 list. This week, it's my favorite liveries. We're going 2023, generic. We're not doing any special versions for certain courses. Just when they came out, they said, these are liveries this year. That's what I'm going off of. So number 10, coming in hot I'm going Alfa Romeo. 
It's got the red and it's got the black. And it reminds me too much of the Ferrari. Let's be original, please. I see him around the track and I get a little bit confused sometimes at certain angles. I look at the Ferrari and I'm like, oh my God, what are they doing over there? Oh, wait, it's Botas. And I thought it was science or something, you know? It's just, I don't dig. Let's get some fun colors in there. I think when you imagine a race car, you think red and black, one of the first color combos you go to. It's just like, let's mix it up a little. I like the livery they had for Belgium with the green lettering. If they could have that all the time, they would be higher on the list. Okay, I'm going number nine with Alpha Tari. It's blue and white with a little bit of red accents. It just gets lost for me during the race. They just don't stand out. And I think the Alphatari and even the symbol just gets lost in the sauce. And I just want more. It's not doing enough. I think if they reversed the white and the blue, it would look a little bit more interesting. And if they changed the blue to a more striking blue, then I would love. But right now, it's just giving boring. Okay, number eight. Haas. It's mainly black and then Haas and the top of it's white with red accents. I think I'm just sick of the red. I don't think they can go around it because their main sponsor, MoneyGram, is red and its logo. So maybe it's unavoidable. But I just think leave it to the Ferrari. It's overdone. All the cars I've mentioned so far have red in them and I think I'm just sick of it. I think if they turn the red into like even green, I don't know. Or maybe the white to silver. I don't know. It's cool, but not cool enough. All right, next we have number seven, Red Bull. There's just something about it I'm not a fan of. So it's mainly that dark blue. It's got some white lettering. And then it's yellow, red, like the Red Bull symbol. Mm, There's just something about it that's a little bit ugly. I can't really describe it. But if you know, you know. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say it's the red and yellow. Again, with the red and yellow, I'm just not a huge fan, especially of that combination. That's definitely what it is. It's the yellow. Bye. Can't do it. Okay, let's go to number six. I'm going Alpine. I like the blue. I wish Alphatari took this blue. And I like the pink. It's different. Obviously, when you see it, you know who it is. Even though if we go back, so Alpine used to be Renault, which was like black and yellow, I think. And then Aston Martin, which used to be Force India, had the sponsor BWT. So they used to be the pink team. So when I try to go back, it's so confusing to me because I know Otmar moved to Alpine. He took the sponsor with them. So you definitely got to think about it twice. Like, okay, Alpine used to be Renault, and you have to go through this whole thing to remember correctly because you just think of that pink. And quite frankly, I find it irritating. And I think the pink reminds me of Pepto-Bismol. So that's why it's down there. All right, now we got Ferrari. Number five. I mean, it's red. As you can tell, I'm not a huge fan of the color red. And that's all it is. There's a little bit of black on the bottom. It's iconic for them. I love it for them. But I'm not obsessed with it. I don't hate it either. I also like their sponsors. I mean, Shell, Ray-Ban, we all know those. So it's because Ray-Ban says Ray-Ban. <laughs> but they do have some iconic sponsors. So that does give it a little bit of a leg up for me. Okay, number four, Williams. It's just various colors of blue. And they're really pretty blues. They pop. 
They're bright. They're fun. And they have the Duracell battery on top. And they make it look like a battery. And I think that's kind of cool. I also love the color blue, especially opposed to red. So that's why they're up there. All right. And number three, we're going Aston Martin. It's a cool color. Again, like we said last time, cognizant, neat. That's a little bit of black and hints of yellow too. I think it's just fun. I should add that the yellow is a better yellow than Red Bull's yellow. And it's just a more fun combination. Red, yellow, blue, it's so ordinary. So I just had to do one more dig at Red Bull. Okay, number two, Mercedes. It's black. It's got a pop of that teal color, turquoise, and a little bit of yellow, a little bit of white. It's just very subtle. It looks futuristic and it looks fast. It's just sleek. It's chic. It's shiny. I just like it. All right, y'all know who number one is. McLaren. That orange is just so pretty. You just want to keep your eyes on it. And when you see them on the track, you know exactly who it is. Because they're so much different than everybody else. They got a little bit of this really pretty sky blue in it too. A little bit of black. But then you have like the inside of the rim is a Google Chrome logo, which is also neat. You don't see anybody else doing fun stuff in there. So even though we're not huge fans of McLaren and Piastri, we do love that livery. I know Ashley loves it too because she's mentioned the orange as well. I would assume that her favorite is McLaren's, but I guess she can tell us next week what her number one is. And we can go ahead and move on to what it means to start from the pit lane. So what does it mean if you're starting from the pit lane? Well, you're starting at the exit of the pit lane. You have your own separate light and you have to wait until every driver goes past you. And then they even wait a couple seconds for the last person to go through so you can't overtake them and then you can go. It's just a little bit worse than being in last place. Well, why does this happen, you ask? Well, it's because you're getting penalized for something. (laughs) For some reason, penalized, I always want to say it like British people say it. I don't know why there are certain words like that where British people like really emphasize it like adults. I'm sure there's a very rational and simple explanation to that. But I just think of some American being like, "Mm, nah, I'm going to say penalized. I'm going to say adults. Let's be different. Also, adults, one of those words that just kind of fits. For what it is. Kind of like vulture. It's like whoever came up with vulture was in their bag. I mean if you look at a vulture. It's like yeah. That's a vulture. I mean it's exactly how it sounds. Same with bizarre. Oh my god genius. Whoever did that needs a pet on the back. Okay sorry about that one. I just really wanted to put that out there. Because I think about it a lot. But back to our regularly scheduled program get penalized and you got to start from the pit lane there's various reasons why that can happen usually it's because you're in violation of the park ferme rules in french that means closed park and i have a little video of carlos explaining what it is Certain direction and see if it works for qualifying. 
So when your car is in park for me, they're making sure you have all the requirements, you know, safety, legal. They want to make sure nobody's cheating. You know, it makes sense. You can make a little change here and there after park for me, but you're always under supervision. It's like adding fuel, putting the drink for the driver in there. Very basic stuff. So if you violate park for my conditions and you go against what they say you can do to your car, you're going to have to start from the pit lane. It happened to Nico Hulkenberg in Belgium. He was already in last place after qualifying because he had a hydraulic issue. So like, whatever, let's just send it, make these changes and move on with our lives. He did a bunch of stuff. I mean, gearbox cases and cassettes and auxiliary components and power units and all this kind of stuff. So he had to start from the pit lane. And if we're thinking, well, Verstappen made changes to his gearbox, it was before Park Romain, it was before even the race started, I believe. So he just got the grid penalty. Another reason you can have to start from the pit lane, you know how right before the race, everyone's out on the track, the team, reporters, celebrities, oh yeah, they, but you go, they still do little changes to the car. There is a signal that says if you are still out here by this point, you in trouble. And whoever car that you work for, they're going to have to start from the pit lane because you got to hurry up. There's a couple rules about being on time to things. Like if you're late to the formation lap, you can potentially have to start from the pit lane. I don't know. And a few other things. Hopefully you get it. I didn't understand starting from the pit lane before, even when it was explained to me and I read a couple articles. I think I finally got a grasp on it. Hopefully you do too. And that's it for my solo episode. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. I want to give a shout out to Mooch. That's my sister, Scott. He's been here the entire time. Say hi, Mooch Poo. So cooties. All right. Meet us back next week. And Ashley will be back and we'll have so much fun. Thanks for listening. Bye.